Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland. And I'm Sandra Smith. And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is. In this episode, we explore the spiritual dimensions of type 8. Okay, struggle means I've got to I've got to get up and do something to make it harder. Can it just be hard on its own or can it just be there on its own then I don't have to get up and make it harder every single minute of every single day? Welcome to this episode of Heart of the Enneagram, where we explore the spiritual growth of type eight. To help us do this, we are pleased to welcome Amy Green as our guest. So we invite our listeners to open all three of your brains for a greater capacity to take in the information and its complexities as we listen today. So we encourage you to be grounded in body, open in heart, and have a curious mind. And we invite the inner type eight in each of us to listen in. So take a deep breath with me. Today with Amy, we'll explore the spiritual dimensions of the Enneagram, the vice to virtue shift, as well as the enlightened spiritual perspective known in Enneagram language as the holy idea. So innocence um, is the virtue and truth is the enlightened spiritual perspective. The vice to virtue shift for the eight personality style is from lust, which is a primal instinct to have a desire now, to innocence. And this understanding of innocence means open, unguarded, no opinion, and no certainty. For eight, to decide now or act now with certainty is a form of lust. It's about now but not in the sense of being present, of course. (laughs) Understanding the notion of later or waiting until later to satisfy a desire or complete a task is the perfect spiritual practice for this type. Practices can be practical, you know. So this shift from lust to later can be helpful for this type. This drive to be certain is a form of self-protection who is in charge of fair outcome if I don't step in and direct or make an impact. If someone else is in control, will I be treated fairly? Eights have an inner narrative that says, you're either with me or against me. This dualistic thinking creates a tough armored exterior and taking control before another takes it seems logical to eights. However, when eights move through the narrow gate of innocence, they can maintain an openness to what is. In this open and unguarded moment, the enlightened spiritual perspective of truth arises. Now, truth in this sense means oneness, and eights in presence know in their marrow that we are one. I am you, you are me. Dualities are illusions, not two, One, as the Buddhist sage says, and Alice Walker would say, when when a tree is cut, my arm hurts. In the journey to the divine heart, 
part of the transform transformational process for personality style eight is allowing themselves to be vulnerable, allowing the heart to be open no matter the circumstances. The tender heart is just beneath the armor. Vulnerability offers a new kind of power and beauty that is sustained by innocence. We are one. Ours is a non-dual world. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest, Amy Green. Reverend Amy Green is the Director of Spiritual Care for the Cleveland Clinic, a large health care system with locations in several countries. She has a Master of Divinity from Union Theological Seminary at Columbia in New York City and a Doctor of Ministry from Ecumenical Theological Seminary in Detroit, Michigan. She's a certified educator in the Association for Clinical Pastoral Education for 17 years and is now the chair-elect of the board of that organization. Amy is a certified Enneagram teacher and discovered that she led with the type 8 pattern and says at first she was dismayed, then resolved, and then with acceptance she began to claim her innate leadership gifts. Amy is married to Thomas Reuter, her best friend of 35 years, and they have two grown sons and a daughter-in-law. Also, they now have a puppy, Theo, who is teaching Amy to play more and not to bite. So Amy, thank you again. And welcome. Thank you. So we'll begin with this reading from Rumi. Be helpless, be dumbfounded, unable to say yes or no. Then a stretcher will come from grace and carry you up. Yeah. So Amy, I, yeah, say what, say what resonates with you in that as you think about your type eight patterns. Well, I just love that image because um, it sounds you know, I think in uh, mo most of my life, I think that would have just sounded like the nightmare ending to, you know, like it's over. The mm -hmm. stretcher's coming. It's mm -hmm. over. Um, now I just hear it as a, like, oh, thank God, the stretcher's coming. <laughs> um, because I think I'm old enough and I have battered myself around enough <laughs> to realize that it's coming to help me, not to cart me away. Yes. And dispose of me. Mm. Um and, you know, it's an interesting, I, I think, my own eightness and and just life itself have helped me end up in a place where I am dumbfounded pretty much every day. <laughs> I finally met my match. I think I had to keep going. <laughs> I had to just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing until I got myself into a, a position of leadership where I absolutely don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Now, we know that's not true. <laughs> well, it's not entirely true, but I, there's plenty of days where I feel like, oh, my God, I have no idea where to go next. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it is kind of the Peter principle in a way. It's an old, old notion that you work your way up into incompetency. But I also think there's a way in which that, you know, maybe all of us are doing that to some degree, that we're trying to grow into the next thing that we need to learn. But but for me personally, it's been great because I always thought, I just want to be in charge because then I don't have to worry about who's in charge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Right. Um, and then when the crap hits the fan, I, I get to fix it. I mean, most a lot of people sort of think they want to lead, but they don't want to be the one who has to clean up the mess if something goes wrong. Right. And I really like to be the one who has to clean up the mess because I feel like I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. I feel like my childhood and a lot of other things sort of prepared me to know what to do in a crisis, <laughs> how to act, you know, how to keep uh, keep pretty calm. And so I think chaplaincy was a natural fit for me. Yeah, I think it's been kind of uh, uh, a really dumbfounding year for me. Um, and that's been really great. I uh, didn't wouldn't have said that at the in the mid of, middle of it, but um, I think it was really important for me to hit my I really hit my wall a, a, just a few months ago and just kind of said, okay, God, I can't I can't take this. I started praying again. I had been meditating a lot, and I and I kind of was like, well, God, you know, you know, I'm meditating, which you should like, because I'm quieter. <laughs> and, and and why and B, why do I have to tell you what I feel and think? Because you know that already, right? So why should I have to stop and tell you what I feel? And God said to me, literally. It's not actually for me, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) I need to hear myself say I can't do this by myself, right? God said, right. So, Amy, you talk about this uh, about prayer, meditation, therapy. What are um, what are there other spiritual practices that you found that are helpful for you in terms of your growth, your spiritual growth, um, and you know, recognizing some of this, the patterns of the type eight? What what has helped you in addition to the ones you've named, or talk more about those too? Well, honestly, it, the puppy. I mean, I made a joke about it in my bio, but um, I I realized. The puppy really helps me return to the little girl who played on her grandfather's farm, and that's where I was the freest and and the simplest. And I was I was very uh, free and innocent and safe there. And I, I felt a little bit on retreat a few years ago with Sandra in the in Wyoming when we were on horseback and we were way out in the middle of the mountains, and and I felt that just a wonderful sense of my tininess mm. and my insignificance against the mountains and like everybody is a child everybody already always said to me you're, you're too much you're too you know they they treated me like I was way bigger than I was which which is partly what you know kind of fuels the eight tendency to get even bigger right. as people tell you you're bigger than you are mm. and it was so wonderful to be surrounded by these mountains and have them just sort of clucking like wonderful old grannies you know just come ha ha you know you're not you're not that big you're just a little bitty thing like you know we're not scared of you right you know like don't and don't worry about it nobody else needs to be scared of you either and you don't need to be scared of you and just the relief of that riding along on this horse and just tears streaming down my face and then I realized I needed to to get back around not just the I mean I always know I need to be outdoors but but to be around the the beings that made me feel safe and Mm -hmm. so we got a puppy and um and even Sandra got to see me with him, and she just she could even see this different side of me comes out with, wow. and babies. I, I mean, I love babies too, but I way past birthing any, and I don't, uh, you know, I don't 
just want to go round up random babies. So, <laughs> it's a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing. I mean, I play with babies in public places, and I realize they, people are looking at me like, oh, my God, stranger danger. So you can't just go play with strangers' babies. But anyway, I got my own baby. I got my puppy, Theo, mm-hmm. who who just makes me so he makes me feel that almost that same degree of warmth in my chest that I felt when I had my own children like just oh my god I just love you so much I want to eat you up mm-hmm. so Theo and I are just bonding like crazy and I just I just feel so I forget about the things that make me think I've got to be so you know on top of everything mm-hmm. I just I can let all that go and that makes me feel really innocent in the best sense of the word like I just can play and forget about what time it is and yeah. Um, yeah, walk these, with him through the woods these little ones be it uh, four-legged or two-legged really bring out um, the tender heart of type eight I've always said if you want to see the vulnerability of an eight watch them with a small child mm-hmm. or an animal and you're describing this so well Amy well yeah thanks and Chris got to see that in, re- in real life I mean he knew my kids when they were young and that's right saw the mama bear (laughs) (laughs) who who, who was pretty gentle with her cubs you know I wasn't always gentle with them but I was protective of them absolutely and it does it brings out just that fierce quality of uh, I guess obviously seeing my own vulnerability in them and and it's easier to see it and and really uh, hold it in love and awe rather than see it as something to be afraid of and to try to shun you mentioned um, prayer and meditation and this conversation with God. Do you have particular images of the divine that, that you could share with us? Yeah, that's a great question, because I just think, you know, my image of God, God is, it's just, I was telling a, a really good Muslim friend this the other day, because, you know, they have so many better names for God. Mm. I mean, they have 99 names for God, and and they're attributes. They're not you know, God's not necessarily king and daddy and you know, big dude in the sky. They're they're what they're the things that God does. Mm. So God opens the way. God closes the way. Mm. God creates life. God takes life. You know, God does God does things. <laughs> and and so thinking in terms of God's attributes has been a lot more helpful to me because I feel like I believe more and more and more all the time in in the divine, but I have less and less idea of what or who it even is. Like it's like almost an exponential opposite. Like I have I have almost no no way of talking about who or what that is. I do know that when I say God spoke to me, it's like that's the same voice I've heard ever since I was a little girl, a teeny little girl, and it felt so other, you know. And I know it's in some ways it is my deepest unconscious self, but it's also so much smarter than I am. Mm. Like when it says something that I couldn't have thought of on my own, especially as a five year old. Then I just kind of think, how could it not be this divine, this bigger, bigger thing? Right. And that, and whatever that bigger thing is, I'm always saying this around here at the Cleveland Clinic to people of every religion and no religion. I'm like, if whatever that is that we think we're talking about, if that's not bigger and older than all of our ideas about it, <laughs> then we're all really screwed. <laughs> <laughs> right? And most religious people don't. They kind of balk at that. They're like, wait, 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 wait what do you mean? I mean, God is this, God is that, God is, of course God does this and that. I'm like, well, whatever. I mean, that, that okay, so that idea of God evolved about 3,000 years ago, mm-hmm. and this idea evolved about 2,000 years ago, and then this one came along about 1,000 years ago, and then this one came along last week. And, and whatever it is we're referencing 
in all our attempts to define or describe, talk about, talk to that thing or being or both. Um, and can it be both a thing and a being? Sure, why not? If a wave can be a particle and a particle can be a wave, sure. why can't a thing be a person and a person be a thing? And I mean, I, I make jokes around here about the big guy upstairs because I'm always like, well, that's Toby Cosgrove because he's our CEO and he is big and he is upstairs, right? So, um, but I just don't, God's just not a dude in the sky to me. But God is that loving voice. I'm praying more. I'm praying more with other people. I'm praying more myself i mean i'm back to praying we you know we grew up southern baptist i grew up southern baptist and i'm you know praying was just yapping your head off at god until you got exhausted right and the idea that you would stop talking and listen was you know that was all for my 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s (laughs) to learn about but to return to a place where i'm praying to god actually telling god so that i can hear myself say hey I really don't know what the heck i'm doing Mm -hmm. and i really can't even walk out of my office right now if you don't go with me and guide my steps. You know, sometimes, Amy, as one who leads with this personality style eight, it can be easier for me to have that conversation or prayer with the divine but I'm more reluctant to have it with a human mm. uh, to ask another human to help me. And, uh, uh, yeah, what's, ouch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now you've gone to meddling. Okay. <laughs> so talk about that a little bit, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just, <laughs> that's really true. Um, I mean, part of it for me is, I think I've gotten way better. And, and, I, and I would say, uh, you know, I'm certainly a, a newbie at, this to in many ways, but I have gotten way better than I used to be, and I've gotten where I'm, I mean, I had to, um, because we decided as a staff that I would run for president of ACPE, and um, we were thinking about what it was going to mean for the staff for me to be away some more, and um, and I was, and even before that, to some degree, I had really started delegating things, because I, I just knew I can't do this by myself, I mean, and, and I shouldn't try, I didn't, I've never felt it was like I needed all the power and control, all that, that is how it can look, it's more a feeling of responsibility, like this is my responsibility, and why would, why would I make someone else do my job, hmm. um, and so learning that it isn't just my job has been very helpful, and, I'm, and I've got a fabulous staff, I mean, I have the most amazing team of chaplains, holistic nurses, and family liaisons who are the people that help with all the massive piles of paperwork at the end of life. And I've just got the most amazing team on the planet. So I've been able to I've been able to delegate a lot and that has been that's been the biggest way I've learned because because I'll say they'll say, We see that you're under stress. How can we help you? And I'll say, Great, thanks for asking. You can you can do you, where do you want to grow? What do you want to learn? Uh, what do you want to learn to do um, in your own growth and in your own leadership potential? They say one says, "Well, I want to I want to learn more about X Y Z." I'm like, "Great, you take this and work on it, and I'll have your back, and I'll take responsibility if it goes down downhill." But you go ahead and let's work on it together, and you take the reins. And so that's been wonderful for me. Um, getting and that's how I've, I've delegated. You know, just in terms of work, delegating work. I don't think I've ever really had such a hard time asking like my beloved. He he's can see it before I can anyway, so mm-hmm. I don't 
I don't usually have to ask him like, oh my God, I can't do this. He's usually well aware. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amy, I <laughs> Amy, I wanted to get back to that word responsibility because I, yeah. again, resonated with that with you. And as I've thought about that over the years, because I, I just claim I'm so responsible, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, actually a way of looking strong. Right. And so it does tie back to power and control, but it has a little subtlety to it. And what would it be like just to, you know, be irresponsible every now and then? Golly. Well, I mean, that's, I enjoy it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I I really do. I mean, I love being irresponsible. And I love being on, like, being, when I'm away or I'm at home, home is a vacation time for me. I mean, I love being home. And I'm pretty irresponsible at home. (laughs) I mean, you could ask Thomas. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't. You know, I don't make that a. I don't make home another burden for me. Like I have to keep it a certain level of cleanliness or whatever. I don't. Mm-hmm. I just don't do that to myself. Oh, great. And that helps. And then playing. I mean, I, I. It's harder for me. I mean, I just. It's harder for me to. To play when I'm not. Um, off the clock, so to speak, for longer than a few. You know, I have to be a few days to play. But the puppy's helping. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm getting where I can play as soon as I get home, and. Um, and I and I think I've always been okay with asking for ask for a few close friends. Like I don't need a lot of friends. I'm not on Facebook, and you know I'm like if you need to find me, you know where to find me. I'm not gonna be doing I'm not gonna be doing that stuff. Like if you care to find me, you can find me. And so and and if and I'll find you. You know I I can find you too if I need you. And so I don't I don't need a lot of people. And the few close people that I do rely on, they they know I'm they know it. I can't do it, and and my staff does. I mean, they've seen me. They've seen me really. They've seen me freak out. Hmm. <laughs> well, um, it, that it it reminds me as you say that, Amy, because you, you know, a few minutes ago you talked about how you know when your staff is you're inviting them to grow and take responsibility. And one of the questions, one of the things you say to them is, "I got your back. I got your back." Yeah. So yep. so the question that comes to me as you say that is, "Who's got your back?" Who's got my back? Yeah, I just feel like a lot of people do. I really do. Yeah. I mean, so I feel that from the Cleveland Clinic. I feel it from wonderful numbers of people. I mean, you guys, people in my life, friends that I count on. Um, I've, I I don't feel like a, like I'm alone at all. I've mm. never felt. I don't really know that I've ever really felt lonely. Mm. I don't yeah. tend to feel lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't tend to be the problem. I, I know that I'm loved. I know who loves me. I know how to get to them quickly. So what what would you say, Amy, now is your greatest invitation to grow spiritually? You know, I wonder if it is to um, to not equate the struggle with um, my having to generate um, my having to generate the next hard task. I was thinking about the jihad. I was just talking to one of my good friends who's the Muslim doc here and and he, he was teasing me one day he was like oh Reverend Green's a jihadist because we were talking about the word being a good word it's about right. spiritual struggle right and and I said yeah it's a spiritual struggle it's, and so 
so for me, like, can I be, can I be a jihadist <laughs> mm. in this, in the best sense of the word? Can I struggle, but not see that as my, okay, it's, struggle means I've got to, I've got to get up and do something to make it harder. <laughs> like, can it just be hard on its own or can it just be there on its own? Then I don't have to get up and make it harder every single minute of every single day. Because most of the stress of my last year that caused me to finally slam up against the wall was my own doing. Mm. It was my internal reactivity. It wasn't really what was happening outside of me, and I was I was so sure that it was. Um, so it's really that going inward, being quieter. I'm doing the co- cognitively based compassion training through Emory. I brought them I brought them up here. Doctor, a friend, and I brought them up to teach a bunch of us, some chaplains and doctors together in a class. It was wonderful. And I'm going to continue on that training path because if I, it's just like I did Enneagram. I did that for me, you know? Right. Like if I have to learn it enough to teach it, then I'm, I'm going to absorb it better. Yeah. So that's helping a lot. Like, can I just, can I, can the struggle still be a struggle and, and sometimes just be quiet and not so hard. Can you allow the struggle and the stretcher? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Amy, for your insights and your sharing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Beautiful. Well, thank both of you. Gosh, it's so fun to just hear both your voices and pretend we're in the same room. It is fun. <laughs> it is fun. It's a treat. So we have a, cl- a closing prayer for um, this personality style, Amy. So we invite you and our audience, just to listen in a posture of of prayer, whatever that is. Great. Okay. Loving protector, watch my back as I wade into the waters of innocence without my certainty or opinion, allowing myself to be open and to be touched by the moment. Empty me of my need to assert, to be impactful, or to blame others when life seems out of control. Soften the walls surrounding my heart, the rigid boundaries, my strong opinions. Embrace me as I open my heart to be touched, and hold me as I claim my own fragility. May I be present each moment without judgment, without fear, knowing that your steadiness is my foundation. Ground me in your gentle and loving presence that I may be gentle and loving with myself and others. Remind me each day that we are all one and that in our unity we find hope and in vulnerability we discover the power of authentic loving. May it be so. Amen. And so with heartfelt gratitude, I'm Chris. And I'm Sandra. And we invite you to continue to look courageously and lovingly at what is. We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University School of Divinity, for their financial and institutional support. For Sally Ann Morris, who composed our theme music, and for Toby Becker, who provided graphic design. Thanks to Eric Merle for his editing expertise, to Tom and Lynn Berner, who provided recording space, and to the narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders. And special thanks to all of our guests. We offer this podcast as a free resource for personal and spiritual growth. And in order to continue this work, we need your support. Please visit our website, heartoftheenneagram.com, 
make a contribution and to purchase our companion book. In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.